Fringe Radio, your trusted source for the paranormal, conspiracy theory, and true crime. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios, it's Dark Fringe Radio. Welcome to another edition of Dark Fringe Radio. I am your host, Will Martinez, and thank you for joining us on another adventure for this week on Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, tonight, we actually have a very special guest. His name is Reverend Sean Whittington, and um, he is a um, reverend out of Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, we talk about his story of how he uh, became who he is and what he does now. And he has... Uh, performed Exorcist in the past, and he's actually featured on a new show on the Travel Channel called Legion of Exorcist. Uh, I implore you guys to definitely go check that out. It's on Discovery Channel, um, Discovery Plus, and also uh, on Prime as well, I believe. Um, but nonetheless, um, he was featured on the show, and uh, he gives his testimony, and we get into a really interesting conversation. So I uh, hope you stick around and check it out. But just want to remind everybody again where you can follow our show. Um, you can go to our website, darkfringeradio.com. That's where everything is at. We have all our episodes that are uploaded there uh, every week. Um, there's actually a lot of new news articles that we post there, um, some paranormal stuff on there as well. So make sure you go ahead and check that out, darkfringeradio.com. And uh, you can follow us on all social media, at darkfringeradio. We're everywhere, except for TikTok. I haven't gotten into the TikTok thing. Not sure about that. Nonetheless, um, yeah, you can check us out there. Uh, also, I want to remind everybody, our YouTube, we've seen such a great gain in our YouTube uh, in the last 30 days. Thank you so much for you guys um, checking that out and finally, um, you know, exploring and and, and, uh, and uh, checking that out and becoming a subscriber, which is really huge. So really appreciate that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. You can go ahead and check us out in all those uh, places. Uh, make sure you do make sure you like and share and all that stuff. We really appreciate it. Um, but uh, again, we'll be getting into our interview here with Reverend Sean Whittington, and we'll be getting into uh, all his adventures and how, you know, he got to where he's at now and uh, being featured on the show, which is a great show. Again, uh, Legion of Exorcist on the Travel Channel. Um, make sure you go ahead and check that out. Uh, we'll be getting into our interview here on right now with Reverend Sean Whittington. I hope you guys enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dark Fringe Radio. I am your host, Will Martinez, and today we have a truly extraordinary guest with us. His name is Mr. Reverend Sean Whittington. Reverend Whittington is not only a respected clergyman, but also a renowned exorcist specializing in the age-old practice of expelling malevolent spirits and demons. Uh, his work has garnered international attention, and he's here today with us to share his insights and experiences with us. Um, today's episode is going to take us on a very cool journey into the realm of the supernatural, exploring the very real and sometimes unsettling encounters with forces beyond our comprehension. 
uh, from confronting ancient spirits and uh, demons to offering solace to the tormented, Reverend Whittington has seen it all. Uh, in our conversation today, we'll delve into his personal experiences, the challenges he's faced, and the profound impact these encounters have had on his own spiritual journey. Um, his He is, of course, the host of Sean Whittington's Paranormal Ministry Live 2.0. He's the instructor of Sean Whittington's in Introduction to Spiritual Warfare. He's the author of God, Ghost, and the Paranormal Ministry books 1 and 2. And you can find all of his information at ghostbegone.biz. And of course, if you haven't, you can see him on the Travel Channel show, Eli Roth Presents, Legion of Exorcist, streaming now on Discovery Plus and Max. Welcome to Dark Fringe Radio, Mr. Reverend Sean Winnington. Rev, thank you for coming on the show. How are you, brother? Awesome. Thank you. No, thank you. Uh, I'm great. How are you? I mean, amazing to have you. You know, I'm blessed. Uh, and uh, things things couldn't get be any better. You know, I'm alive. I'm blessed. Mm -hmm. I'm in the seminary, and that's coming along fine. And um, I'll be traveling to Lexington, not Lexington, Louisville, Kentucky uh, in November to be ordained into the diaconate and then if oh wow if all goes well i may be the you know fall of next year i may be ordained into the priesthood so wow. i'm very happy about that and and life's okay. good the wife's healthy and good good to uh, hear. we're both hanging in there that's awesome to hear reverend and you know um you know i've spoken to you before on another show and i know a little bit about your history and your past but if you could tell our listeners here on dark fringe radio a little bit about your background what led you to become a reverend what led you to you know into this life and and to doing what you're doing today. Well, I like to tell people that even today, I wake up every morning and I pr always pray that I never have to take authority over another exorcism again. It's uh, very scary, very ugly. And when it gets to that point, you know, it's a matter of life and death. And it's just, just really not fun at all. Mm -hmm. um, I got I also like to tell people I got basically drug into this field, kicking and screaming, <laughs> then wake up one morning and say, I want to be an exorcist. Right. But my wife, you know, I, I saw spirits when I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And then I got my first up close and personal encounter with one um, when I was uh, spending the night at my older sister's house. Uh, she was babysitting me. And that kind of put me on the path to, to just ghost busting and ghost hunting a little bit and stuff. You know, I spent many, many years kind of, hiding that passion from my friends because as a little kid I thought you know if I come mm -hmm. out and tell tell people that I like to do that I'm probably not going to have any friends so <laughs> I I didn't really you know I regret yeah. that now but right. then you know when you're little you you know those kind of weird things you thought you did that were weird that nobody would accept you kind of kept it on the down low but now mm -hmm. I fast forward many 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 years later my wife and I are actually set up on a blind date and we both don't know it but immediately there was a connection and I knew that she was sensitive to spirit. She had a passion for investigating the paranormal. And it was just, uh, we started ghost be gone and started doing it, but we just planned on it being a, just a fun thing, a hobby, a, hobby. A, a fun thing to do, go ghost hunting, go to these haunted locations and go to paranormal conventions and meet people and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But we worked a very ugly case. Um, mm. one day, and uh, I know I'm going to get hate mail for this, but uh -huh. we didn't know what we were doing, and we used a Ouija board, and I believe okay. the Ouija board opened up something that allowed what was at this location to attach to us and come home and follow us home, wow. and it took up residence here in the house for about two months. My wife was the one that was the primary target of the attack, and I didn't know what to do, so I reached out to the paranormal community, 
And God bless them for once they came through for me, they introduced me to my then mentor, who's now retired, um, a female exorcist, an ordained female exorcist, who took me under her wing, walked me through how to fight this thing and get it out of the house. Um, it, we, we, we accomplished that. It came at um, great cost, though. My wife was left with three very rare forms of cancer, mm -hmm. and she wasn't expected to survive. So we basically... I gave up everything to just help her fight for her life for, mm -hmm. for a few years there. But my mentor said, saw something in me that I didn't see in me. And she said, you know, I think you're being called to this ministry. And if you're interested, um, I can put you through the Christian university course on deliverance ministry and get you ordained and get you into this association of exorcists I belong to. Mm -hmm. And I was scared. And I almost said no, but I'll tell you why I said yes, because I wanted if it ever happened again, I wanted to know what I was doing and I wanted to be ready. Oh, yeah. So I jumped into that course and got through it, um, had a couple of other cases that were very ugly that even had me drop out of the course and drop out of the ministry for a while because I was oh, like, wow. you know, I'm done. Yeah. But I got back into it. I finished it, finally got ordained. And then um the rest is how they say history. And it's history, uh, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've been doing it ever since. That's awesome. Uh, it's a great story. Um, you also have your ministry as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What your vision, what your mission is uh, with your, your ministry that you have going on right now? It pretty much is. Well, you know, in the very beginning, I'll be honest with you, it was just to be, just to be, you know, have fun. Right. But we almost immediately started getting bombarded, mm -hmm. especially here in Vegas with people that are having true paranormal issues and something about this older couple that didn't have this big team with nine black vans and five thousand dollars <laughs> worth of yeah, equipment yeah. coming to their own like, equipment right yeah, yeah. <laughs> something about her and i appealed right. to a lot of people and they you know we started going and working cases in homes and helping people and immediately when we started actually helping people we realized how rewarding that was and um mm -hmm. um and and then that's how it started it was just to continue on helping people with their paranormal issues and help them get that extra unwanted guest out of the house that is uh there that, yeah. that's you know um uh, freaking them, them out yeah 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 of course and, of course uh, so that was it but the the whole deliverance ministry thing basically mm -hmm. came out of nowhere like gangbusters and it decided for me that that's what I was going to do. You were going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get it, man. You know, that's awesome. And I, I'm so happy that you've continued to do this. You know, it's probably been four years since we talked last. Um, you've had a lot of things happen, actually, you know, uh, personally with yourself. You know, you've had a show come out lately. We're going to talk about that. But before we get into all that stuff, you know, what are the most common challenges you think, Reverend, that most people face in their spiritual journeys? And, you know, what do you what do you do to help them address that? You know, I know you talk about your ministry. What do you do? Some of, you know, you know, when you go into a house and you know there's something you know, afflicting these people, um, sometimes it could be maybe self-inflicted. Maybe it's something mental. Maybe it's, you know, maybe not be spiritual. How do you, uh, you know, navigate those waters when you go into a, you know, a place? Well, the demonic doesn't have a particular kind of target everybody's mm -hmm. up for game i'm mm -hmm. not that kind of guy you're going to see standing on the street corner on a box with a sign that says repent now the end is near <laughs> you know um yeah. thumping people in the head with a bible right um and i don't like to try to convert anybody you know i lead by example a lot of people come to me that 
don't believe in anything, atheists, if you will, that are being tormented and have an attachment. And um, I just tell people that they're they're everywhere. Everyone's a target. And even if you don't believe in God, you better just try to be the very best version of yourself as you can be every day. Uh, live in love and light. Treat people as you would like to be treated. Uh, don't be a bad person. And don't say things. Don't throw things out into the cosmos that may get you in trouble because these things play by rules. And I hear people all the time say things like, you know, I would, re you know, religion's not for me. I would rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. Well, you better be careful what you wish for. Right. Um, <laughs> just might get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I go to these homes. There's, there's quite a procedure. The people reach out to us at first. And sometimes I'm not the guy for them. And I'm the mm -hmm. first to realize it and admit it. And if I know that that's the case, I want, uh, them to have closure to their issue and if i don't think i can do it i try my best to introduce them to somebody that will really be able to help them um like if a jewish person reaches out to me i try to find them a jewish exorcist um mm -hmm. uh, and i've had people from every religious walk of life or belief system reach out to me for help. And usually they go to their church first and they don't get help there. Then they come to me and I try to help everybody. But if it's, if it seems like they're not ready to 110% jump into the deep end without the floaties on and, and, and believe in what I'm trying to do for them, then that can be more harm than help. Right. And I will try to find somebody that I think is more suited to, to them, but it's a process. They call us. I do a phone interview Sometimes mm -hmm. I have my wife do a follow-up phone, phone interview. Then we mm -hmm. send them an intake form. And mm -hmm. I require everybody in the house, if there's more than one person, mm -hmm. get together as a family unit, mm -hmm. fill out this form together. It can take two, two and a half, three hours to fill out this form. Oh, but wow. they need to do this. Send it back to us. My wife and I will read it. Her and I will discuss again. And then we will decide on, on how we're going to proceed. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, my hands are usually tied if... The person is honest with me and tells me that either themselves or someone close in the family has been clinically diagnosed with a mental illness and under the care of a physician and on medications. Mm -hmm. I usually can't proceed past that. I've many times reached out to their doctor and mm -hmm. talked to them. And I've even had doctors tell me, between you, me, and the fence post, this doesn't leave mm -hmm. this conversation. But mm -hmm. I do believe there's something more going on than their, their mental illness but unfortunately mm -hmm. legalities for legality right. reasons i can't give you the green light to go in there you right. know uh, uh holy water bottles ablaze and do your thing because it's just not going to end well right. so that's the sad part about it and it's also sad if someone a lot of people reach out to me for help but they expect me to just come in and wave a magic wand and make it all go away mm -hmm. and that they don't need to do anything right what people don't understand and i try to really really get them on board with is that it may not seem like it and i may seem like i'm totally talking out my you know what but <laughs> people are the ones that truly have the power mm -hmm. to take their life back turn their life around and get this thing out of their home they are mm -hmm. the ones that truly have the power i'm basically there just to put my arm around them help them draw their line in the sand and help them stand up against this bully mm -hmm. and if we can work together that's usually almost uh, an unbeatable team. Not always, but right. I really need the help of the client that's 
that's under attack. So it's definitely a reciprocal type of, uh, you know, a, a thing that you're, you're talking about. That, that person has to have, you know, faith in at least what you're doing that's going to help. Absolutely. And and be willing to do what I asked them to do to help. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I live in, there's a reason why this town is called Sin City. I get mm -hmm. a lot of uh, prostitutes, strippers, mm -hmm. people that are strung out on drugs coming to me. Mm -hmm. um, and if they're not willing to stop doing that part of their life, I'm not right. judging anybody, mm -hmm. but those types of lifestyles attract the demonic and attract malevolent entities and malevolent non-human entities and just that bad vibe and other people that have attachments. When you're in that line of work, those types of people um, magnet towards you, gravitate right. towards you. So you've got sometimes you have to totally change your lifestyle and maybe even move. Mm. Um, and sometimes people aren't willing to do that. And uh, it'll, Sometimes it goes on for years, man. I, every six months I hear from the same person. I've tried five exorcists since you. Nobody can help. I've called 10 who don't even want to try to help me. So now I'm back at you. What are you going to do? Well, we've already gone down this path two years ago, and you didn't want my help. You didn't want to do what I asked you to do. See, I'll try to, you know, I don't turn my back on anybody. I then offer my help again. But are you ready this time to, to make a change? Sometimes they say, sometimes I can tell it's a no, even if they don't say it. Sometimes they want to and they say yes and they try, but they fail. And then these things come back like gangbusters and it's really, right. really ugly and scary. And that's mm -hmm. another thing I want to tell people. If you, if you decide to really put up the fight for your life against these things and turn, get your life back, then you've mm -hmm. got to watch what you do from that moment on because you, they're, they're watching you forever after that and waiting for you to make a mistake again and let them back in. And then mm. it's just really, really ugly. Mm, interesting. So there's obviously a lot of things that we do in our life to kind of allow this stuff to um, kind of without even our, knowing it, brother, without even knowing it. That's what I'm saying. Without right? even knowing it. Yeah. yeah. That's the scary part, because, you know, we're just thinking we're just going and living through life. Right. And we're just <laughs> doing these things and we don't even know it. You know what I mean? Now, that's the scary part. But um, one question I wanted to have uh, ask you, Reverend, is um, what's the difference between a demonic oppression versus possession? Is there a difference? Actually, there is. You can move into a place where there's a, a malevolent uh, entities, mm -hmm. uh, demonic entities attached to the property or the, the home, and you move in there, and you can be the kind of person that is able to fend them off of actually um, getting to the point where you're, you can be possessed. Because mm -hmm. it, it usually doesn't happen overnight. I've seen it happen quite quickly, but usually it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. But you can see the signs coming. And if you if you can recognize the signs, you can nip it in the bud, as they say. If you don't recognize the signs, then it's a gradual thing. And the oppression is what they do to you over time. It's um, mm -hmm. doing things to not allow you to sleep. So you start mm -hmm. getting tired and you're, then your health starts failing. Then with sleep deprivation comes you know, your, your thought patterns are out the window and then you start hallucinating and you start thinking you're crazy. Then you just start doing things you normally wouldn't do. Maybe drinking more, maybe going to drugs. Um, and then you just start, then it's just a snowball effect. Your whole life turns into the way they want it. And then they start manipulating you. They're not in you, but they're, they're so in your life and on you. They're like the worst of the attachments. Mm 
that you could ever get. Like if a, just a ghost attaches to you at a ghost hunt, that's one thing. But when the demonic attached to you, uh, when they leave that attachment from the property or the home onto the person, mm -hmm. trust me, even demons don't want to be in hell. Mm -hmm. So they want to be in you. And right. right now we're a lot of colleagues in this field, colleagues of mine in this field. We really believe not all of us, but some of us really believe that there's an, another level now that we're seeing called complete integration where the unclean spirit has gotten into the body. It's not a traditional ex um, possession to the eye, um, but they're in there. And as time goes on, if it's not addressed and taken care of, eventually this unclean spirit pushes the uh, original soul out and they take over the vessel. And now you have these, uh, living, eating, breathing, walking around demons in a human body. And you can see some of the evil out there now in the world that people are committing on each other that I I have never seen in my life. Right. Yeah. It's not like soldiers in war. It's right. just like people, you know, wanting to kill each other on the street because you were walking on the wrong side of the street or you accidentally bumped into them or you were wearing the wrong shirt or, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have the same skin color as them, but it's not a racism thing. It's a demonic thing. It's, it's right. way beyond just, you know, uh, what how people feel towards one another. It's, you see people committing true evil on one another. And because society and, and mankind all over the world, we've got, it's so simple, man. We've gotten, a, we've gotten away from faith and you don't have to believe in the same God I believe in or be Catholic, but Trust me, most people know that there's a very low vibrational malevolent force that's not good. Mm -hmm. So it's the yin and the yang, man. There has to be a much higher vibrational power of love and light watching over us that you can ask for help and pray to and attach any name to it that you want. It doesn't have to be God or Jesus or the Holy Trinity or anything like that, but Try to tap into that source, that love and light source, that positive source, and and do some praying and just be a good person. Try not to do exactly what you know the demonic would want you to do, because basically they're just spiritual psychotics, and um, that's how they want to make you behave. And right. so that's we fear that that's going on now more and more, and that's that's a very scary thing. That's interesting because that kind of reminds me of the movie Exorcism of uh, Emily Rose because it looks seemed to me like there was a point where her soul was gone and there was only left with these demons and then when you know you know these when these demons couldn't be cast out that was all that was left and you know that's what she basically embodied at that point so it, it just you know it really reminds me of that of that story of that situation but. What are some of the examples that one might be possessed? What, what are maybe some of these key things that, um, you know, you've seen in your past and, and, and your, you know, um, experiences that, you know, may kind of point towards, okay, yeah, this may certainly be that. A lot of people call me, and I don't mean to smile, but a lot of people call me and mm -hmm. tell me I'm possessed. I think I'm possessed. Right. And right. I know right then that they're not because a possessed <laughs> person, the demon's not going to allow the person to call someone like me and admit that they're possessed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I already know that they're not. They may have an attachment and they right. may be going through some stuff. Um, mm. And there may be even times where I suspect now I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I pretty much on a monthly basis talk with 
a psychiatrist and with a psychologist just to make sure I'm not going crazy because the last Very thing boring. you want is a crazy exorcist in your home. So <laughs> I do that. And I tell people that and I say, so if I if I can do it, there should be no reason why you can't do it. I'm asking you to make mm -hmm. an appointment with a psychologist or psychiatrist just so we can check off the boxes and mm -hmm. see what we're dealing with here. Some people get so irate. Are you calling me crazy? No. Right. Right. I'm just, it's just part of the process, mm -hmm. but I already know deep inside that there's something not right in terms of, uh, their, their psycho, their, their psychosis going mm -hmm. on. And I, I just want somebody that knows more about that than me mm -hmm. to try and tap into that and let me know, no, they're not crazy or yeah, I think there's something going on here. That's not uh, an evil spirit. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it's, it's tragic. And you know, the last, I want to say year of my father's life and last two years of my mother's life, they were in these hospice care facilities. I would go mm -hmm. in there with my ghost be gone hat on or a ghost be gone shirt, or sometimes mm -hmm. even the collar. Mm -hmm. And um, I would have people that work there come up to me and go, you know what, you, if I can make it where, if I can talk to the shift nurse, the head nurse on mm -hmm. my shift at night and get the okay, you need to come in here sometime at three o'clock in the morning and walk around because there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, funkiness going, going on here on. Yeah. and there's a lot of people here that have been clinically diagnosed uh like schizophrenic or even worse mm -hmm. or or maybe not even that bad that that are in the psych wards that i truly believe are are not suffering mental illness They're, they've got a demonic attachment mm. and uh so that's the sad thing too there's a lot of people out there that are been given pumped pumped with a lot of drugs and mm -hmm. been legally diagnosed as having a mental illness because the doctor didn't know what else to, the doctor's not going to write down demonic possession right of um, to, co to cover his legally covers own rear end he writes that he writes that script out and writes his his diagnosis down but mm -hmm. then these people are sitting there suffering because you all the drugs in the world and all the you know psychiatrists and psychologists in the world aren't going to help this person with their demonic attachment so that's another very sad thing about yeah, it seems like you're making the 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 person of the side weak and not being able to even fight the demon at that point you know so the demon is basically taking over you know if you're under all those drugs and all that stuff you have no way to fight how does one person fight like that it's impossible i'm sure mm -hmm. um so you don't have to believe in the catholic religion to be possessed is that correct no anybody anybody can be, we're all targets we're all targets in in fact uh the less you believe i i feel you're more of a target now of course ah. i do believe in my humble opinion mm -hmm. i'm probably going to get hate mail for this too <laughs> in my humble opinion i do believe god allows some catholics to get possessed because they know that person can handle it they already know that person's going to get the help that they need but they know that there's somebody close to that person that needs to witness what true evil can do and then witness the glory and of god and mm. when this person finally gets delivered and saved they want this other person to witness that and see that mm. um so i believe that happens sometimes because people ask me all the time why would this good person like even a nun or another priest get possessed right, right. i believe that there's a there's there's a reason for that. Um, mm. But people that don't believe are big time targets because they don't fight back. They right. they don't ever see it coming. And then it's too late and they're still not fighting back. They mm -hmm. just basically have rolled over and played dead. And now they're, they're possessed and um, it's too late. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Reverend, um, you've had um, 
your 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 path and your journey you know throughout this time and you you've been able to do this show on the travel channel that i absolutely love um, thank if you, you haven't seen it it's um eli roth presents uh, the legion of exorcist and you know it talks about a lot of different you know aspects of you know demonic possessions and things of that nature but um in the one episode that they f- featured you in it was um more pertaining to demonic portals um, and it featured a story about you uh, regarding a demonic portal. Tell us, uh, tell maybe our our listeners what what is a demonic portal? How does it come about? You know, how do we close it? What do we do to avoid it? Tell us, please. Well, I was blessed in of the six episodes. I was blessed that uh, the producers used four of my Ghost mm-hmm. Be Gone cases for stories in, in the episodes. You know what? Honestly, I'm still on the fence with portals i don't really understand them uh, you know i go into a house and and uh, and i start doing a, a an exorcism on a on a house and property and sometimes i'll have the owner say why are you putting um holy water on your thumb and making physically touching the wall and making a cross um don't the demons just come in through the window and that's why you put the salt there and open the windows and smudge and then close them um no, they can come in any way they want to come in. So I, you know, is is the um is the window the portal? Is the wall the portal? And right. I know a lot of people do believe in portals. And I and I, I'm just I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just on the fence with them. Mm-hmm. I believe a person, even a person can be a portal. Mm-hmm. A person can be the kind of person who just the way they are. Oh, I'm gonna get hate mail again. I <laughs> listen, I have friends of all religious belief systems. I have friends mm-hmm. that are witches. I have mm-hmm. friends that are pagans. I have Jewish mm-hmm. friends, Muslim friends. We all love each other. We all get along because mm-hmm. everybody uses their religious belief system uh, with love and light in mind mm-hmm. and and to do good. Mm-hmm. When someone takes that religious belief system and perverts it and starts doing ugly things with it, that's when it becomes a problem. And mm. when a person starts doing that, they can even be a portal and things can start traveling in and out of this world just through them and their bubble and the environment that they created for themselves with all of this funkiness that they're doing. Yeah. Um, so um, to think of like, you know, let's think of, let's get silly here for a minute and think of the first poltergeist movie you right. had the portal that was in the closet and then right. it had another, even an exit point through the yes. ceiling where the, the ceiling in the living room, <laughs> you know, uh, that I loved the movie. One of my favorite yeah. movies of all time. I'm a big horror movie buff, mm-hmm. but I don't know if there's actual portals like that. Um, mm. I just believe maybe there's more like, uh, areas of the veil that are so thin that these, that powerful entities, can manipulate that part of the veil and come and go. Um, mm. I could be totally wrong, but right. that's that's where I sort of tend to lean uh, mm. rather than uh, actual, you know, portal. Although, like that one case I think you're talking about with the mirrors, this yes. lady, you know, she it was weird how she, you know, her husband died. She lived back east. She relocated mm-hmm. to Vegas because the real estate biz is, is hopping here. She was a real mm-hmm. estate agent. She knew how to flip homes and make money so she buys this home and here's this bed in the house in this weird room i mean the room looked like a normal room in the in the show but that mm-hmm. when i went to this home it was like an it looked at first like an add-on closet out of really? the way but when you walked into it it was a very small room and it had mm. this bed in it that had blood stains all over it wow 
And um, all the mirrors either had sheets or blankets on them or were actually painted, which mm -hmm. I found very odd. And now, of course, she's not the owner. She's the owner of the home. But she the home came like this. So right. she knew she didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. But right then I knew that there was something funky there. But I did every time I walked by a mirror. Now, I know I'm very sensitive to spirit. and I've got a certain level of psychic ability. But when I walked by these mirrors, you could definitely feel um, it felt every mirror that I would walk by felt different mm -hmm. than once I passed by it. And sometimes mm -hmm. I could actually sit in front of a mirror and either touch it or get close enough to it and kind of maybe drop a little bit into a meditative state and mm -hmm. almost hear somebody trying to communicate with me or call for wow. help, which was really, really weird. And then the scraping of the, 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 uh, the scraping of the paint off of the glass, mm -hmm. the one mirror, and I saw the apparition of the girl on the bed. Um, I never, you know, I love the show. I'm a big, big fan of the show. I hope mm -hmm. there's a season two. I think they did a great job. Some of the s stories, they watered down a little bit. Some of my stories just said, we can never put that on TV. It's just, <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. And some of them, uh, you know, they, in these cinematic recreations, which again, the actor that played me, Steve Crawford, mm -hmm. talented actor, and I, I love the way he portrayed me. Um, I didn't actually see a demon in that case, but I love the, their interpretation of what I did see, which was, you know, this thing felt like a large man following me everywhere I went in this home, mm -hmm. like on my, with its chest on my, on my shoulder, right, leaning yeah. on me like, a gigantic Ugh. hunchback everywhere I went. And I audibly heard it tell me, leave, get out. Um, I could feel its breath. Mm -hmm. I could smell its breath. Um, and I got locked into the room for hours. I mean, she, this lady, I said, she's got it. She said she was just going to the market. Certainly she's going to come right back. I don't know. I don't even remember if I asked her what she did, but mm -hmm. she was gone all day and this demon locked me in this room. Wow. I'm telling you, brother, I another thing they couldn't do. They tried to find a house that had a spiral staircase right. because this home did. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking up the spiral staircase. And when I got up to the top, there was um, all of these. When the lady first moved in, she discovered a bag full of these um, uh, door stops that you okay. would put behind a door. Yeah, yeah. Spring door stops. Yeah, she yeah. Said, that's that's weird. She looked around. She goes, "They're off all the doors. I'm going to put them all back." So she puts them all back. There's another thing they need to put in the story. Mm. She puts them all back in the doors. Immediately, she starts hearing all over the house, doing, doing, uh, doing. Uh, uh, it was this little ghost cat, uh, oh. this kind of funky demonic ghost cat <clears throat> that was playing, swatting the little, the little, uh, the little door stop behind the doors. Yeah. So I thought I saw the cat upstairs, and I followed up this thing and then i go into this room and i get locked in there and mm -hmm. i i'm telling you brother there was no lock on the door i couldn't get out of this room mm -hmm. so i didn't uh, you know i felt like panicking breaking the window mm -hmm. and jumping out but i'm on the right. second floor right. but i decided to just sit down open up my bible and pray for a while and eventually the door opened up on its own and let me out but <laughs> when i started walking out i could feel i couldn't see it but mm -hmm. i could feel the cat and i've got five outdoor cats so i know how this is mm -hmm doing like a figure eight between my feet as I'm uh -huh. walking and it dawned on me, this is how it's going to get me right. When I get to these stairs, mm -hmm. I'm going to get tripped and shoved 
down these stairs. So I stayed on the second floor. I was actually too nervous to actually, th this thing felt so powerful that I was a little nervous to actually get to the stairs and try and walk down. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't until she got home. But um, when mm. and, and here again, it tried to trick me when she, she hadn't got home yet. And I heard someone come in the front door and, and yell for me, Reverend Sean. Mm -hmm. And it was her. And I called down to her a couple of times I went and looked out the window that overlooked on the 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 uh, driveway. No, right on the very top of the stairs before I go okay. to the bedroom. What, gotcha. I don't know what area you would call that, the loft. Mm -hmm. I look out the window to the driveway. She's not home. I'm all, it's trying to get me to go. I knew it was trying to get me to go down these stairs. Then she finally did come home, but she didn't want to come in the house because by this time, so many things that had happened freaked her out. She was living in an RV mm -hmm. out in the driveway. Outside. Right. This was wow. another thing they didn't show in the show. She saw, used to see this huge pig, like a huge wild pig mm -hmm. roaming around her backyard, sometimes in the house. But it would, when she would try to sleep at night in the RV, this thing would come up and it would slam its body up against wow. the RV all night long and rock it to keep her from sleeping. Amazing. See, that's, you know, it was just, there's some things that uh, they didn't show, some things that uh, they, they, put their own twist on it, which I loved and thought that it was beautifully done. Mm -hmm. But um, that uh, long story short portals, uh, I'm yeah. on the fence about them. I'm not saying mm -hmm. they don't exist, but um, it, it just, you know, if you think you've moved into a place that was used for mm -hmm. not good things, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, satanic rituals, rituals. Yeah. devil worship, things of that nature, maybe somebody was, uh, sacrificed there which the police didn't we've contacted the police on that case they had no record of any murder taking place there um but it was uh you just got to be very careful yeah no absolutely it's just amazing at you know how unsuspecting you can just walk into a situation like that um question for you reverend when you're in the process of removing these spirits or entities or what have you from these people um is there a process that you have to go through? Is there um, something that you have to have to actually prepare for? You know, I'm sure that's not something you just pick up and do right away and say, okay, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and do an exorcist right now and, you know, exorcism and, you know, that's it. But I'm sure there's some type of preparation that goes into that. Um, can you explain to me a little bit about that process? There, I'll eventually have a completely different process, mm -hmm. which I'm learning now in the seminary, the Catholic mm -hmm. seminary. But prior to this, of course, there was a course I took, but I get people that call me all the time and say, I want to learn how to be an exorcist. Mm -hmm. And I try to explain to them that there's really no way, in my humble opinion, again, mm -hmm. there's really no way to learn it. It's a mm -hmm. calling. Mm -hmm. And I was called to this. And so when I used to do this before I entered the seminary, I had my own way. It was kind of like an in, when in Rome kind of thing. Right. I learned some things from the course. And from actually being in battle on many occasions, I yeah. learned how to do it my way. Mm -hmm. And I realized many of the techniques were successful. And I realize now why many of my techniques, I failed miserably at mm -hmm. trying to bring closure to some of these cases. So here's another interesting story. And, and I don't know how much time we have. I'll no, make please. it quick. Absolutely. But yeah. here I am. When I was a little kid, my mother's the most devout catholic that i've ever known in my life mm -hmm. she was from brazil may she rest in peace 
when I was a little boy, she used to always say to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And a stupid kid, I would say things like, I want to be a cop or a fireman or a pro football player, Spider-Man. Right. And uh, she would say to me, I think you should be a priest. I'm telling uh, you, brother, I used to think that wow. was the funniest. She said it to me all my life. I thought that really? was the funniest thing anybody, especially her, would ever say to me. Yeah. So yeah. here, all these years later, I wondered, <laughs> I used to ask God, why Why did you lay this show in my lap? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and the way I got it was, was interesting. I don't know if you know Joni Mahan. She's a very popular paranormal author. Mm-hmm. She gets a mm-hmm. call out of the blue from a producer saying he's working on uh, a show about demonic possession and exorcism. Did she have anybody that she could recommend that, that he should talk to? She mm-hmm. gave him my name and number. Mm-hmm. Now, this happened before the pandemic. So this first guy I talked to, I talked to him a couple of times. It seemed like every time I made a good relationship, they would bump me up to the next person on the chain of command. So after two or three people, now I'm eventually a year later talking to like the show creators and the writers and the director. Mm-hmm. And then after all of that, like, like two, two and a half hour zoom meetings where I would just tell stories like this. Right. Then I didn't hear from them for like about a year. And my wife and I were on our way home from running errands one day. And I, we stop into a Del Taco, get some food in the drive through and we're even too hungry to drive home. We pull into the parking lot. I hadn't heard from these people in months. My phone starts ringing and I can see it's an LA number. I thought, ah, maybe I should answer it. I got a mouthful of bean and cheese burrito. I answer <laughs> the phone. And here, one of the executives from Travel Channel, the director, a couple of the writers, they're in yeah. an office. They got me on speakerphone. Right. They're saying the show's a go. We're offering you a, a spot. What do you, you know, do you want to be part of this? So, but to go back to the beginning, my mother would say that to me. Joni yeah. introduces me to this guy. The rest mm-hmm. happens. I go, we cram in, we cram 12 weeks of shooting into two weeks. So the days were very long. We were on a set from like 6.30 to 7 o'clock at night with like wow. a 20-minute lunch break. I'm in wow. that chair on the set. All Cameras day. rolling all that time. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised. You know how many times I fell asleep that I'm sure they had to edit out <laughs> the show? A lot. If you go back, like I just binge watched the, the episodes last Tuesday on Travel on the Marathon. And yeah. I could tell. I don't know yeah. if anybody else, because I could tell uh, I was sleeping there. Uh, Rich is on one side of me, elbowing right. me all the time, and then right. Donnie yeah. on the other side, Donnie of me, the other side. Like, kicking my leg. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. They were long days. We were in this right. almost 200-year-old Catholic church up in the hills. It was beautiful, the backdrop. Beautiful. Oh, it was a real church. Yeah, I thought, it was, it, was I thought it was a set. Yeah, I thought it was a oh. set. It was cold, you know, quiet, you know, I'm tired. Anyway. Yeah. After two weeks of filming, we're, I'm about to come home. I'm in my trailer, and Bishop Long comes walking in the trailer. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. says, do you mind if I have a quick word with you? And I'm like, uh, what's going on? He's got this weird smirk on his face. And he starts talking. He says, you know, I just want you to know, after working with you for two weeks, I've gotten to know you quite well. Mm-hmm. I think you've got a pure heart. In fact, I know you have a pure heart, and I think you would make a great priest. And if you're interested in the priesthood, look, look up the mm-hmm. United States Old Catholic Church. Read about it. And if you want to do this, I can – put you in front of the council of bishops for an interview and see if you can get accepted into the seminary. Mm. Now I didn't, I already knew the answer was yes. I didn't tell him yes then. Right. I said, I'll call you when I get home. And I also didn't tell him this either. And I told him later, but when he started telling me this, all of a sudden I'll get through this without being emotional. All of a sudden I saw my mother's face on his face and I heard her voice coming through his mouth. Wow. And I knew right then I said, this was why. 
this was why this show got laid in my lap. I it's, it, it all happened. I knew right then, like a bolt of lightning hit me. Isn't so it I, weird when you find yourself in that position where you know you're in the right space at the right amount of time? You know you're in the right space, right time. The right the message was delivered to you. You're right there. You're meant to be there. I knew it then. So this is where I'm at now. I'm in the seminary. Who joins the seminary at 63? Well, my mother in spirit and God right. asked me to. You don't say no to God. So here I right. am. Um, if we go on to a season two, it's all it's all God didn't get credit in the in the credits for being the show creator. But I know he's the original legit right. show creator of this mm-hmm. show. And it's in his hands now. If it's meant to be and he wants a season two, there will be one. But if not, I've already accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. We put out a good piece of work that we're all proud of. And and I'm on the seminary and on my way to the priesthood. And and uh, I'm blessed. What else no, can I say? It's, it's funny how one thing opens up another. One opportunity opens up another. Again, it seems like you were meant to be in that space and meant to be in that moment in time. And, um, you know, it's a great thing for you. I really do believe that. And. You know, you've been helping people out for so long now. It's been over, what, 10 years now, Reverend? Yeah. Sharon and I, we just celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary. Um, Mm. We started the team shortly after we met. But Mm. about 10 years ago, we had that first, we started doing uh, uh, much darker cases. And I uh, eventually, that led me down the path of become a deliverance minister. And then ultimately now in the seminary. So, yeah, about 10 years doing that kind of work. Wow, amazing. Uh, Reverend, um, you know, we have this, you know, idea of when a, you know, a reverend or a priest is expelling these these spirits out of people. Is it true or is this more of a Hollywood thing? But is it true that you would have to get the name of the of the actual demon um, for it to say its own name for you, you to be able to expel it? Or is that just more of a Hollywood kind of like woo kind of thing? I'm I'm learning, you know. I'm a baptized Catholic all my life. I was baptized when I was a little baby, got confirmed, mm-hmm. been a Catholic all my life. You know, there are some exorcists that will tell you absolutely you need that. That mm-hmm. totally, you know, uh, they lose all their strength, all their right. power. Then when they reveal who they are and what their mission are, what their mission is. Have I brought closure to many demonic cases having not gotten that name? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because it's all about... Like I said, I have no magic powers. Like when I show up to a home, I can already tell. Like it could be high noon here in Vegas and I'm walking up to a home and there could be no trees around this house. And if it's demonically infested, to me, unlike any other home on the block, the home will look like I'm looking at it through sunglasses. It's got that dinge to it. Before I even go into the house, my, my big weapon personally is humility. That's one of the things demons hate to see somebody have they can't they can't imitate it and Mm, i will get on my knees and do some prayers at the front door and i will actually crawl on my hands and knees into the home into the living room and sometimes that's all it takes for them to leave i am also lucky enough to be blessed to be able to be used as a vessel to allow whatever wants to come in to help me that i'm praying for for help Mm-hmm. usually comes to help. And mm-hmm. I, I can feel the presence of these angelic beings, whether they're angels or my guardian angels or, or, you know, just the Holy spirit alone. I mm-hmm. know that there's something going on there and there's things they're helping me fight. 
And uh, that's the key is you said it earlier in the show is your faith mm -hmm. and, uh, and being humble mm -hmm. and having the people there 100% on board with what you're trying to do and wanting to help you and wanting to fight back. But yes, exorcism is just a giant, it's just a really large prayer. And um, there's things that happen during an exorcism. You've got to be kind of Johnny on the spot. You can yeah. ask for the name and it doesn't have to be. You can actually give it a name. You mm -hmm. are the demon of jealousy or the demon of pornography or mm -hmm. the demon of this or that. You, um, I forget the famous exorcist that calls it carpet bombing. You can mm -hmm. start just labeling the demon um, and continuing to do the prayers and quoting scripture and uh, laying hands on and, and just fighting back. And I believe that that can be, depending on how strong your faith is and what kind of help you're able to 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 bring down, mm -hmm. is is going to be the ultimate game changer. But mm -hmm. yes, uh, they do say that if you can get the demon to admit its name, um, then that that goes a long way. But mm -hmm. sometimes you just can't get it. They'll admit everything else. You also got to be careful too because. Very, very little what they tell you is the truth, That's but true. sometimes yeah. they mix a little bit of the truth in, mm -hmm. and you've also got to be careful with your emotions. It, sometimes I have to excuse myself from right in the middle of an exorcism. Sometimes I have to excuse myself because I can feel that I'm not right. I remember one time uh, the demon had manifested in a client, and that client lunged at me and slapped me really hard. Wow. And for a split second, I got really mad, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, there there. was like every drawer, <laughs> every cabinet, every yeah. window in that home started opening and slamming at the same wow. time. And the noise was so deafening that you couldn't even talk and have the person next to you hear you. And what happened was there was a priest in the kitchen waving me to him. Mm -hmm. And we went into the garage and he said, you're mad. And the second you got hit and got mad, the demon took your anger and used it as it for its own strength. So you need to go now. And I left crying and felt like I was a failure to God. Now could I have allowed that to happen? But we're only human, man. Um, right. Like I said, we're not, we don't have any magic powers. And uh, mm -hmm. so you got to be careful. So I try not to get upset. A lot of, a lot of, just you being there is religious provocation. I don't believe in poking the bear. There's no reason to go in there and do religious provocation. Many exorcists do. If it works mm -hmm. for them, God bless them. I right. pray for them. But yes. that's not my style. I try not to. Um... Another thing that really works for me is I've already gotten the okay from the whole family mm -hmm. to have a renewal of baptismal promises. When you baptize someone, that really is kicking the devil right in the you know what's. He, <laughs> he just hates that. He, hates he would that, rather right? go down the street and get the next easy target than to sit there and continue to fight. Right. Um, but I'll get the whole family on the on the couch, and just like Jesus did to his apostles, I have a huge bowl of holy water, and I will wash everybody's feet in holy water. And while I'm doing that, I will be asking them questions from the renewal of baptismal script and having them audibly answer these questions the way they need to answer them during this baptism. And I will baptize them again or rebaptize them. If they've already been baptized, you can't rebaptize them. But it's it's just that it's a renewal of baptismal promises. And um, it's all a part of humility, man. And just um, 
just being humble and and uh and the demons they hate that man wow they really do. listen let me ask you a reverend um you know you've taken on this role and um you know which is an amazing thing it's a it really is because of what you take on um what do you how do you balance the demands how do you balance the demands of your of your you know your role as a reverend how do you balance your personal life your self-care you have to take care of yourself too i'm sure i mean you dealing with all the stuff that's negative all the time cannot be good um you know for yourself you know i'm sure there's things you have to do to you know uh, rid yourself of these things and cleanse yourself i mean how do you balance all that how do you do it well giving absolute no credit to the demonic <laughs> and not blaming god for anything but right, yeah. i never really recovered after the pandemic man it was like you know, we went into that two-year lockdown, mm -hmm. and since that time, you know, I went to an extreme part-time basis at the animal hospital they work at. I'm on mm -hmm. a call only three nights a week. My wife's the office manager, so she's mm -hmm. there like Monday uh, Monday through Saturday from sunup to sundown. I'm mm -hmm. there maybe three nights a week part-time in the evenings. Um, so I never really recovered from that. I have to remind myself, I, 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 don't, I don't really have, I have a life. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm so mm -hmm. buried in seminary studies now. That's where my focus is. But sometimes I realize, and Sharon will say to me, you know, honey, it's been probably a month since you've even left the house. Right. Um, let's just go for a drive. Let's go maybe watch a movie. Let's go out for a bite to eat, and then mm -hmm. we'll go. She has to sometimes even remind me, like, to take a shower because <laughs> I'll be in here, yeah. on, you know, taking classes, doing tests, listening right. to lectures. You know, I've got to always have a list longer than my arm of people reaching out for help. So I'm calling people. I got students that want to talk about a, a part in my course where they're a little stuck and they want some clarification. I've got people making appointments to want to speak with me about their spiritual issues um, and on and on and on. So it's just I'm busy, mm -hmm. but it, it's not I really don't have much of a life. This is my life. Right. Uh, and, but don't be sad for me. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm blessed. And once I get once I get ordained into the priesthood, I've sort of turned the page on the paranormal stuff. I'm still helping people as much as I can. And mm -hmm. I'm I'm that that quick I can pick up my my bag of tricks and head out <laughs> and run to a home and right. perform an exorcism if I have to. But I've mm -hmm. sort of turned the page on that. I'm concentrating on the seminary. I know mm -hmm. once um I become an ordained priest, then I'm going to take these, I'm already in these classes, but I'm going to take some really in-depth uh, theology and demonology courses mm -hmm. and make ultimately make a decision if I want to become an ordained uh, Catholic exorcist. Mm -hmm. um, and I may just stay a priest, try and uh, find a brick-and-mortar location here and start a parish and go that route. We'll see what, what God has planned for me. Yeah. Um, Lord knows I've, I've already had my fair share of battles. Mm -hmm. uh, and if that's to continue, he'll let me know. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, he'll let me know too. But right now, uh, I really, this is my life. I very rarely, mm -hmm. you know, the wife, like I said, the wife has to remind me to get out of the house. Even if yeah. walk around the block <laughs> and get some fresh air and some sun on my face or yeah. honey or you're uh, uh, when's the last time you took a shower? I think it <laughs> might be Thursday. And I'll say, I think Sunday. Sunday. Goes, eh, you're smelling a little ripe. Maybe yeah, wanna, yeah, you yeah. Because I still work out every day. So right. she's like, I think you might want to take one tonight. And I know yeah. that's her way of telling me I need to take yeah, a shower. Yeah. So, so I, I got, you know, it. I just sub. I tend to submerge myself in my work, and then right. uh, 
Yeah. She pulls you out. She pulls you out. happens around me. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. That's good that you have her and and God bless her. And thank God you have a, a, you know, partner like that, that knows when to say, Hey, listen, come on over here for a little bit. I can't believe she still wants to work cases. Dude, I'm telling you, (laughs) she went through, you know, overnight after we got that, whatever it was in our home that was attacking her out of here. Here she is, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, no history of cancer in her family. And practically Mm -hmm. overnight, she was hit with medullary uh, medullary thyroid cancer, uh, squamous cell carcinoma of the tongue, a rare form of throat cancer, and then her medullary cancer also spread to lymph nodes in her neck. Uh, She was given basically a death sentence. Wow. And um, she she had a feeding tube in for a year. There was like months where she couldn't even swallow water. Mm. Um, lots of chemo, lots of radiation. Mm. Um, do you got time for one more quick, really? Let's do it. Story? Let's do it. Let's do it. Here she is this one night. I'm mm-hmm. convinced I'll, I'll get through this without getting emotional. One night I know she's dying. I know for a, for a fact, mm-hmm. I, I just know, mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to wake up in the morning laying next to a dead woman. She was that bad of a bite of a night. I mean, she's like, she got sick at 140 pounds and now she's like 95 and it's just bad. Mm. And um, I don't know what else to do. And I remember something my mother did uh, when she, when I wasn't even born yet. Um, My mother wasn't supposed to have any children after my second oldest sister because that birth was so rough on her they suspected if you got pregnant again and had another child uh you might not make it right my father's still in the service at the time he was in the navy for 25 years master chief um he contracts spinal meningitis encephalitis and a number of other things overseas and they rush him back home because they suspect he's going to die and he's out of his mind in and out of a coma and out of his mind when he's awake they've got him strapped to a bed they suspect he won't make it till morning so they call my mom tell him Come now. You may not see him alive again if you don't. So on the way to the base hospital, she stops at this church. And she crawls on her hands and knees all the way from the front door to the altar, throws herself on the mercy of the court, if you will, and begs for God Mm -hmm. to spare my father's life, makes him two promises. One, if he does this for her, from that point on, whenever she goes to church, she'll do it on her hands and knees, and she'll Mm -hmm. she'll have another child. When she gets to the hospital, my father's passed out. She falls asleep at his bedside. She wakes up in the morning. He's wide awake. <laughs> she screams. Doctors come running in. He's, they did every test imaginable. They couldn't find any trace of any of the diseases in him. What? She decides, and it's in the. you can look his case up, Lawrence Whittington, in the mm-hmm. Naval Medical Records as being, they just marked it down as a miracle. They don't know what mm-hmm. else it was. Mm-hmm. She kept her part, part of the bargain from that point on until she got too old and physically unable to do it. Whenever mm-hmm. she went to church, she did it on her hands and knees, and she had another child. Da-da! Yours yeah. truly. <laughs> so she also grew up, I grew up being told I was her miracle baby, which made my brother and sisters Great always go, oh, here it comes again. <laughs> the chosen um, one. <laughs> so um, my, I go, you know what? Yeah. I, I knew what I had to do. I had to run to this all-night prayer chapel around the corner, crawl on my hands and knees all the way up to the altar, throw myself at the mercy of the court, and I just talked to God as if he was sitting right there in a chair in front of me. Who knows the kind of things I said to him. It was just a like a one-on-one conversation, you know, mm-hmm. begging for my wife's life. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how long I laid there. I might have even fallen asleep for a little while. I wow. wake up on the altar. I decide it's time to go home, but I have this. I don't even want to go home brother to tell you the truth I, i'm i'm you're scared I'm, right yeah 
But I, I go home, I walk in there, I carefully walk up to the bed, I'm looking at my wife. Oh, she's still breathing. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. My phone starts ringing. My mm-hmm. who's calling me at four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's a East Coast call. You know, I still have, I have lots of family. Somebody might be a family emergency. I answered. I had a friend named Russ who I've known all my life. We grew up together, knew him all my life. Mm-hmm. Diehard atheist. Good guy, biggest heart. You wouldn't want to, uh, couldn't have a better friend. Mm-hmm. Great guy, but diehard atheist. He's on the East Coast on his deathbed, dying of advanced colon cancer. Wow. But this, he sounds, he sounds magnificent. Hmm. On the other end of this line, I'm all, brother, what's going on? Why are you calling me? I just, I needed to call you. I was told to call you. Mm-hmm. I just saw God. And he mm-hmm. wanted me to tell you that um, Sharon's going to live and that you need to continue fighting those responsible. Because I had left the ministry at wow. the time. Just my, my wife survived. Right. So um, I don't know how much longer we talked. Uh, I hung up the phone. And right then, my wife made a miraculous turnaround um mm, mm, mm. wasn't long after that the feeding tube. she started to be able to eat mm-hmm. shortly after that the feeding tube came out she continued her um you know uh, lots of different types of treatments and some surgeries and stuff mm-hmm. but it's been you know a couple three years since then and mm-hmm. the last full ct full body ct and mri we've done show no metastasis of the disease anywhere in her body and yeah he's still here and uh and I try to sneak out and do cases without her, but she won't allow it. She still wants to. <laughs> I, I yeah. know, you know, and they use that against you too. I can't tell you how right. many times yeah. I've walked into a place mm-hmm. and I've heard it starts as like a bumblebee in my ear. And this really? buzzing usually turns into clear, audible voice of somebody that sounds like they have throat cancer mm-hmm. saying to me, uh, if I'm there by myself, or with Sharon, if I'm there by myself, sometimes the voice will say, um, you know, why didn't you bring Sharon? We miss her. Or, oh, wow. You know, or if Sharon's there, we're glad you brought Sharon because we're not done with her yet. Oh, no. And, and yeah. you know, if you're not if you're if you're not ready to just shake that kind of and I'm I'm going to admit there's been times where I've just turned around and told the family I'll be back and just mm-hmm. don't even tell Sharon that happened. Went in the car. Honey, what's wrong? Why are we going home? Trust me. I, I need to I need to psychologically regroup here. We're going home. Right. Um, if you're not ready for that kind of stuff, uh, this is not the field for you, even if you feel called to it, because these things are like supernatural paranormal gangsters to the 100th power mm-hmm. and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and the I can't even adequately describe in words the level of hatred they have for us. And it's just... Um, they they first want to go after everything that you love before they come for you. And that's also a process of making you weak and letting your guard down before they get to you. Many times I tell people, do you have any children or animals in the house? Yes. Mm-hmm. Send them, send the kids to a babysitter, send the animals to a boarding kennel the night mm-hmm. that I'm coming. Cause I know if I go there, like I said, just my presence is provocation yeah. enough and the first that get attacked are the children and the animals and then that's very distracting of course um, yeah. so yeah. it's um it, it it is what it is it's, it's an amazing life my friend amazing life really what you're doing is amazing work um you're helping people you're i i can't you know i really can't say enough about it it's really 
kind of selfless in a lot of ways because you know that is your life right now that's that's basically what you're doing you've dedicated your life to this and i you know i can't where do you live i'm in uh, west palm beach florida i wish i could go out there and and do something how far how far are you from uh louisville kentucky (laughs) uh not that far hop skip and a jump away on an airplane well we're uh i'll send you the information of the event i fly into louisville i believe November 2nd, which is a Thursday. Okay. The following day on November 3rd mm-hmm. at a chapel in, I believe, Spencer, Indiana, which is about an hour drive from Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I'll be ordained. I'm also assisting in that mass. And oh, then wow. the following day at the same, I think my hotel room's right next to the chapel. Then the mm-hmm. following day at the same chapel, one of our priests, that's why I love the USOCC. They allow your priests to get married. Mm-hmm. So one of the priests is getting married the next day in the same chapel. And then um, I fly back the following day, Sunday, the 4th. But it's open to the public. We're sending out yeah. an invitation. I would Anybody's, love to go there. Uh, welcome to come and watch. We have one of our uh, deacons being ordained to the priesthood. We have three seminarians being do- ordained to the diaconate. We have one priest taking his um, solemn vows as a Benedictine monk. And we have one of our priests getting married. So it's going to be a great oh, weekend. Man. And we're opening it. We're it's open to the public, and so it'll be very, very cool. That'd be a cool event to definitely go to. I would really appreciate going to that. Yeah, that, send me information. I would definitely like to go. Um, Reverend, tell us a little bit uh, where they can find all of your information. Again, uh, what is it? Ghostbegone.biz. Is that correct? www.ghost-b-gone.biz is the website. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a certified spiritual advisor, intuitive coach, listener. I'm a great listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, people can make an appointment to speak with me for spiritual issues, not paranormal, they're on the website. I mm-hmm. offer my course there on the website, Introduction to Spiritual Warfare. Uh, I've got both my books there. Your I've books, got yes. uh, God, Ghosts, and the Paranormal Ministry, and I've mm-hmm. got God, Ghosts, and the Paranormal Ministry 2. Nice. And what else do I got on there? I don't know. I haven't been on, on my website in a while. <laughs> but uh, I got the show Monday yes. nights at 5 and Friday mm-hmm. afternoons at 2. Sean mm-hmm. Whittington's Paranormal Ministry Live 2.0 on Facebook Live. And I have mm-hmm. a YouTube channel, Reverend Sean Whittington. And uh, what else do I do? I'm in a I seminary. Think, I, and... I, don't you think you don't do enough, Rev? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't, I don't know what else I do. What else, what do, else do, do you want to do? Let come me on. look around here and see what else I do. I don't I think I do anything else. I think that's that's it, hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, Reverend, one last question before I let you go. Since you're a movie lover, um, what movie have you seen uh, throughout your life that you would say that's the closest to what we're dealing with here on earth as far as the battle between good and evil? <laughs> oh, you're going to think this is so silly. I'm a card carrying member. This isn't a uh-huh. real club, but I say, I always <laughs> tell people I'm a card carrying member uh-huh. of the old cult classic horror movie fan club. And mm-hmm. I just posted, I remember this one movie I saw when I was a little kid. It resulted in, I, my parents used to put me to bed Mm-hmm. And they didn't know this, but I would set an alarm and I would wake up. I knew that there was like a good horror movie on like at two or yeah. three in the morning. I'd wake oh, up yeah. going, and they would always know that that happened because these movies would scare the you know what out of me. Yeah. I would have to crawl into bed with them. So when they woke up in the morning, there I would be sleeping. And right. I just stumbled upon this old movie that did that to me mm. when I was young called The City of the Dead. It's an old black and white English movie ah. about devil worship. Okay. Um, and there's a the ending is classic, mm-hmm. um, and then things like uh, you know um, I'm a big uh, monster fan like okay. you know the original Dracula werewolf mm-hmm. 
Wolfman, yeah, Frankenstein, the universal ones. Um, So anything like that. As far as the demonic go, um, the whole family went. The Exorcist came out. And this was back in the day when you would have lines. You'd have to drive like to Westwood to Mm -hmm. see a movie like that if you were in the Valley. Mm -hmm. And the lines would be like a two hour wait for every showing lines around the building back in the day. So we went and saw this movie. Um, That movie was truly frightening to me. I don't even know why my Mm -hmm. parents took me. I think (laughs) I probably slept with them. I'm serious. I probably slept with them after that movie for a month. Yeah. After that, I threw my Ouija board away. Mm-hmm. I had black light posters all over my room with black lights. And some Got of, rid of all that felt posters looked a little <laughs> demonic. I threw all of them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, started going back to catechism and church yeah. every Saturday right. and Sunday. <laughs> that was a very, even to this day, brother, I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, it can be two o'clock in the morning. I'm bored. I've got the volume down. I don't want to turn mm. it up because the wife's asleep. Mm-hmm. I can't sleep. I got to come back in here and do some work. Channel mm. surfing. And I see the exorcist coming on mm. and I will just flip right by it mm-hmm. because it still brings back those, um, memories, huh? those memories. I can yeah. watch it, but right. it still brings back. I remember going to the theater for like the 25th anniversary re-release of it right and here i and they added it was like a final director's cut and they put i remember yeah. all this stuff back into brother yeah. i'm in the back of the theater scrunched <laughs> down like this a grown man <laughs> and all these kids are laughing at the movie through the whole movie these kids are laughing right i'm like what has happened to to kids society right the society of kids and same thing happened when i went to see um to see a private screening of um what's the uh Stephen, um Spielberg movie about the the Holocaust. Oh, um, uh, Schindler's List. No, they they brought. I went to see a private screening of that. Okay, they brought in like the, a couple of busloads of of students from a nearby school, right? Who were going to take a film course or something, and they're mm. watching this movie, and they were doing the same thing through this movie, nothing but laughing and joking around about it, and I was just. Thinking to myself, what has ha- what has happened to society? It's weird, right? But to, to me, I'd have to say The Exorcist. Yeah. But there's a lot of other stories yeah. that aren't that over the top dramatic, as William mm-hmm. Friedkin directed and Peter Blatty right. um, directed mm-hmm. that are that are still like you mentioned, uh, the Emily Rose. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very eye opening awakening. Yeah, that was true, right? Uh, that that gets your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the story starring Anthony Hopkins as a priest who gets possessed. I forget right. the name of that. That's a true story. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that. that that's a true story. Wow. That's frightening. Very yeah. frightening. Yeah. Um, but I'd have to still put The Exorcist as the top, even though it was loosely mm-hmm. based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things happen. I've talked to enough exorcists in my life and have known a lot of them that have told me some of the things they've experienced and yeah. and and seen to know that and I know you know William Peter Blatty did his research. Well, of course he did, he, yeah. He knew that that stuff yeah. he put in the movie, those things happen. I've I've walked into homes here in Vegas where the AC unit is broken and it's 115 degrees outside and mm-hmm. you go into a room and you can see your breath. I've yeah. seen that. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen levitation, not like they had in the exorcist, but I remember one exorcism I took authority over with a girl um, she was uh, 
stuck in a wheelchair. She couldn't, she could barely move her upper torso. That was it. And she's in this wheelchair. And there were times where the wheelchair would come up off the ground and maybe even turn a little bit, set back down or roll around back and forth on its own where she, her feet weren't even, or hands weren't touching the wheels. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess you would consider objects being thrown at you as levitation, which I've seen that, but all that stuff, you know, he did his research and that stuff does happen. So yeah, uh, I tell people all the time, be careful. Don't, you know, you see some of these demonologists go in religious provocation, a holy water bottles ablaze in, you know, uh, I'm telling you, if you're not careful, a demon will just chew you up, spit you out and snuff your life out in a blink of an eye. They are extremely powerful and uh, they're older than time itself. They're fallen angels. Come mm-hmm. on, these things. These things battled God for supremacy before they got defeated. They've been so, around. Who yeah. are us? Yeah. I mean, and they hate us because we right. were. God loves us so much, and He created us in His image. They hate us. Right. So, right. just got to be careful, man. You just got to really, understand. really be careful. Well, Reverend, thank you for the guidance. Thank you for your 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 testimony. Thank you for giving us all this information. Thank you for doing what you do, honestly. I mean, it's, well, you it's... know, Will, I missed you. <laughs> I when, missed when you too. I saw your face and your invitation <laughs> to come on the show. I almost started crying because I hadn't, you know, I got so involved in things. You know, my 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 original Facebook page got hacked. Yes, I heard about that. And so Horrible. now I'm I'm on Facebook under Lawrence Morice. Sean Patrick Whittington in parentheses, if any of my friends are watching who were my friends on the other profile and don't know what happened to me, that's where I'm at now on Facebook. But when I saw your face and saw your invitation, I almost started crying because I had, please forgive me, I almost had forgotten about you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it had been so long, but I just had such good memories of you and you're such a cool dude. I love you. I respect you. Love you too, right? You, not, not everybody does what you do as good as you do it. So you keep doing what you do. And I was just so honored and pleased and genuinely happy that you invited me on. And um, I was so sorry I had to cancel last week. I was just emotionally devastated over the loss of a pet. Yes, and I know. So, that's horrible. But yeah. it is yeah. what it is. But thank you for having me back on. And, no, and I had a great Reverend. time. Thank you, Reverend. We'll have to have you back on definitely in the future. And, um, you know, thank you for, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us tonight. And uh, again, you can go to ghostbegone.biz and check out all of uh, Reverend Patrick, uh, excuse me, Reverend Sean Whittington, uh, is, uh, his information there and all his stuff, his books. Um, of course, you can cast a TV show. Uh, Eli Roth presents the Legion of Exorcists. You check that out. Again, one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. Uh, Reverend, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. God bless you, brother. God bless your audience. Thank you. I'll see you soon. All right. Thank you.